So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We've been in this series called 2020 Vision, and what 2020 Vision is about is revisiting the foundational principles and values of our church. What do, be, what do we believe and why do we believe them? What, where are we going? It occurred to me that, you know, if, if you think about it, when we moved into this building, we were right around 650 or 700, six, right in the 600s right there. Now we're about 1150 to 1200, 1100 to 1200 every week. That's our attendance. And so it strikes me that half of you uh, haven't um, heard me talk about some of these ideas. Some of these ideas you have, and I'm reinforcing them for a reason because I want them to get down inside of you, down inside of us, because I want it to define who we are and who we are as God's people, as one chapel. And so um, we've been talking about vision. The first week we talked a little bit about how important it is for you to have vision. You can listen to that on the podcast. The next week we talked about why our name is One Chapel, where that comes from. It comes from John 17. And Jesus praying, Father, make them one as we are one, so that the world will believe that you sent me. And we talked all about that. You want to listen to that message? It's on the podcast as well. Last week, we heard from Pastor Marty about the presence of God, that we are the carriers of God's presence, and that is extremely important for us to understand that's his way of communicating who he is to this world. Through us, through you, you carry his presence everywhere you go. In fact, that's just part of the vision of our church is not to gather where his presence is. His presence just doesn't show up where his people are. His presence is carried by his people from here into the, the far reaches of our society, into our schools and into our church, into our uh, workplaces and into our families. And it's important that you understand that because that's part of the mission uh, that we've been called to is to take his presence. We, I loved how we used to talk about in the movie theater. We always said, listen, the work of God is the work of making what is secular sacred. Wherever we go, we make secular places sacred. That's what we did with the movie theater. It became a house of worship. That's what Christians do. Wherever they are, it becomes sacred. It can become a place where God shows up. It can become a place where God does the miracle that only he can do. That's what that's all about. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about being relationally driven as a church. If we're presence-based, which means that we, we, we base everything that we do on the fact and the idea that the Holy Spirit is here among us, that we respect and, and honor the, the Spirit's work among us. It's very important. That's the presence of God on the earth, is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. The next value that is so important for us is to be relationally driven. Everything we do, working through the priority of relationships, working through the importance of the body of Christ and how we're held together by God through relationships. And so Acts chapter 2 kind of gives us a picture of that. So if you'll join me in reading Acts chapter 2 verse 42. We'll read about the first century church and, and, and what happened there. Let's, let's pray before we read. Father, cause the illumination of your word to come to our minds and our hearts. Cause it to open up. Cause us to be transformed, committed to your purpose and your way. Because we read it today, in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what it says. It says, they, the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everybody say awe. They were filled with 
<laughs> that sounded like, oh. No, it's ah. Oh. The Australians say R. They do. They, they kind of say it like that. It's filled with R. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. Everybody say together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We could call this the original recipe of God's church. How did he make the church? How did he create it? He, he started it here when Jesus left this earth and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave the disciples some instructions. He said, I want you, I want you to wait here for the promise that I told you about that I would give you, and that's the, word, the Holy Spirit. He would show up. In Acts 2, he shows up. The promise that Jesus gave to them, he shows up and empowers them to do what he had called them to do, to become the church of Jesus Christ. And he said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Everybody say those two words with me. Make disciples. One of the things that we are going to be challenged on over the next year is we can grow as wide as we want. We can grow numerically. But we, we need to make sure that we're making disciples. Talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He told them this and they began to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. They saw miracles. They started taking care of each other. And here's what happens. When the church comes together, his life, his life begins to show up. And it shows up through some activities that I want to highlight for you in this passage. The life of God begins to show up in these relationships. Here's how these relationships worked. All right? The original recipe, how life is experienced together. They began to learn together. They were learning together all the apostles' doctrine. They were challenging one another. They were teaching. They were having to correct heresy. They were having to correct one another on how they believe. We need to pay attention to this. We need to be the ones that will meet together and learn together. Listen, the bottom line is, I don't expect you to know everything about the Scriptures. I hope you don't expect me to know everything about the Scriptures. Because you know what? The Scriptures are inexhaustible. I keep seeing new, different things in the scriptures as I read them, and you should too. And we quote them to one another, and we encourage them, and we learn them together. We share together. This says that they shared fellowship, and they shared needs. When someone was in need, they took care of each other. Listen, you're taking care of each other, whether you know it or not, by your giving. When you give portion of everything you give is in a storehouse here at the church. And when people come into need, we take care of them. They, it happened several times this week. This week, so many people were in need, we busted the budget and just kept giving it away. And we just kept giving stuff away because people were in need. 
And so it's important for you to understand that's part of our journey together. We're taking care of one another. Sometimes you're in a, in a group with another person, and, and you're taking care of each other. I hear the stories. It's powerful. It's amazing. We eat together. One of the, there's two requirements for having, amen. There's two requirements for having a small group, what we call connect groups at one chapel. One of them is prayer. You need to be, you need to have prayer when you're together. And the other is food, which means we also need one more requirement, and that is exercise. But there's something, there's something that is so raw and honest and open about sharing a meal with other people. It's what Jesus did with his disciples before he left. And he said, I want you to keep practicing it. I want you to keep breaking bread together. I want you to pray together. That's the last thing. He, there's, a, there's a thing about praying together with one another. If you don't have anybody that you pray with, you need to find someone. Maybe it's a person that doesn't know how to pray and you need to teach them how to pray. Maybe it's just you need encouragement in, in your prayer life and you, you need to... Go to somebody that you see as a person who is a prayer warrior or someone who's a mature Christian. You say, teach me how to pray. I want to pray with somebody. There's nothing like praying with other people. You're going to get a chance to do that here the first of the year. We're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to, we're going to go for it, and we're going to pray early in the morning. We're going to pray throughout the day. And we're going we're gonna to learn how to pray together, all right? So this, this is something that begins to show the life. Now, listen, when this happened, what, what the Bible says is God added to their number daily. Listen, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. You know, they, they, they grow automatically. My, Brad and Andrew were here, and they saw my kids. I hadn't seen their kids in a long time. I saw all their little, by the way, they have five kids as well. So we have five kids, they have five kids, Brent has three kids, Darren and Lori have uh, three kids. It's a, it's a mess at our house. So you see the kids and they're there for Thanksgiving and, and they, they, they've grown so much and not once did any of them ask me, how do you do that? How do you make your kids grow like that? They, you just feed them and they grow. You, you take care of them a little bit like we do and, and, they, and they start growing. Which is a cool thing. This is exactly what happened to the early church. They began to grow. It's what's happened to one chapel. Look what Acts 5.42 says. I'll just throw it up on the screen. It says they met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They met both in their houses and they met in the temple sharing together, talk, talking together, just living life together. Acts 20.20 20 says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. What I'm giving you is a framework for understanding how church was in the first century and how church is today. Church can get as big as we want it to get, but it must have the kind of relationships that it can only be built in a home. In order for us to be the kind of church God wants us to be, in order for us to be a real church, turn to your neighbor and say, I want this to be a real church. Yeah. Don't you hate it when the pastor does that to you? Some of you are like, I want this to be a real church. Some of you are like, I don't even want to say it. Listen, a real church is a church where you do know the person beside you. There is nothing worse than people coming to this service week after week after week and not knowing anybody. That doesn't work. It's not good. 
I'll give you six weeks, and then you can't be anonymous anymore. There's something so important for us. How can a church grow large and yet maintain now, close friendships? How, how, how does that work? Well, here's what I believe. Every member has to be a part of a small group. It has to be smart of, part of a connect group. It has to be part of a group of people that know them. Part of, part of the, the work of God is knowing you and you knowing him. Let me just pause here and give you a little theological kind of ideology. I, I happen to believe, I'm a Trinitarian. I believe in God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means that God is, by his very nature, relational. He is, by his very nature, re- nature relational, living in mutual submission and love through all eternity. And, and he then invited us in to that relationship. And furthermore, created us in Genesis 1 and 2, created us to need relationships. Did you know that, do you know that God said it is not good for man to be alone? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's something that we are made for. We're made for relationship both with him and with one another. And this is so important. At one chapel, we believe our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Why does it need to grow larger? Because eternity is at stake in every person. There are people here who are suffering, lost, dying without the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear it. That's always going to drive us in some way. But it, almost, but it also must become smaller because of the value of each individual. Every person is important. Every person was created, designed to be known and to know another. Every person. Every person. Now, here's the problem. It's not only numerical growth that we need to be interested in. In fact, right now, I'm not really interested in numerical growth. What I'm interested in is making sure that one chapel is having spiritual growth in our hearts and in our lives. Numerical growth has all kinds of issues associated with it. We're we're, going to move for one of those reasons um, in terms of numerical growth. But but I think there's there's a strategy here that if we if we can move to one place we get we we get to solidify a culture and over the next year i am going to highlight for us all of us what it looks like to be in relationship with someone and to make a disciple it is one of the main callings that we have as a church and i'm not sure we're doing that good at it. Tell me this. If I asked you, what is a disciple? Could you tell me in a succinct and direct way? Saying a follower of Jesus doesn't count because that doesn't describe anything. (laughs) See, I think the problem is we don't have our, we don't have touch with what exactly a disciple is, what the criteria is for being a disciple. Therefore, we have trouble making one. Over the next year, you're going to hear me. You're going to hear me. You're going to 
I am having so much trouble with my mouth this morning. You are going to, it's all that tryptophan, it's still in my system. You are going to hear me talk about what it looks like to make disciples. What it looks like to live in, a, in relationship with somebody who knows you and you know them. And you're experiencing the work of Christ in your relationship. It's so important for us. Growth, our personal growth, our spiritual growth is one of the most important reasons for relationships. Relationships cause spiritual growth according to the scriptures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you of some scriptures that you've heard me talk about many times. And the first one is Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It says, speaking the truth in love. Oh, sorry, you should turn over there so you can take your little pen and underline it. Turn over there. I can quote it off the top of my head, but I want you to turn to it. All right, turn to it and look at Ephesians 4, chapter 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Everybody say mature body. The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Most of you have heard me say this is a cornerstone scripture of one chapel because we have to build a community of life together where it's okay to tell the truth in an atmosphere of love. Some people want to emphasize the truth. They say to me, Pastor Ross, don't you know that the, that the truth will set you free? You, would you, you, and they, <laughs> this is kind of their way of dealing with people. Oh, you still have problems? Oh, you just don't know enough truth. You need to know some more truth. You need to get some more truth in your life. Come on, you need to get the truth. Let me give you some truth. Here comes the hard truth. Boom. Now, generally it is true. People need to hear more truth. What Paul is saying is they can only receive it in a certain way. Truth at the expense of love leads to meanness and legalism. Some of you have been in a church consumed with meanness and legalism. We cannot be that. That is not who we are. Other churches, it's all about the love, man. It's love, just love. It just doesn't matter who you are. We love you just the way you are, which is exactly how it should be, right? But then they never get around to telling them the truth, and they just overemphasize love at the expense of truth. And then what they do is they raise weak and immature believers. We can't be that kind of church. We have to be the kind of church that will spend the time and the energy that it requires to build an atmosphere of love here. That means you have to stop being mean to each other. You could, you, there is something, you, listen, you can tell the hard truth to somebody, but you better have made an investment in their life. See, this is the kind of community that I think Christ wanted it's the kind of community that the Apostle Paul is describing. He's saying this is the way you mature. Two, two things that you need for growth. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to grow in Christ, you need two things. You need truth and you need love. And all the work is making sure that people know that you have a good motivation, that you love them so much and that's why you're telling them the truth. You've got to invest in that. We have to invest in that. 
But then the second part of the passage says, for from him, wait, from him, from who? It's from Christ, from him. Yes, from Christ. From Christ is the head. He's the head on the body of Christ. The body of Christ, from him, the whole body joined. Everybody say joined. And held together. Held together. By every supporting ligament. Say it again. By every supporting ligament. What are the ligaments? What are the ligaments? They're relationships. We are held together by the relationships we have with one another. Notice what happens. For from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There is no way for us to grow spiritually unless we have deep, meaningful relationships. Being, being relationally driven as a church means we believe that every meaningful ministry comes from knowing people. Every bit of meaningful ministry, long-lasting ministry, comes from relationships being made. Now, I, we ask for people to come up here and we pray for them after the service. And there are moments when I pray for you in this service. And it is true that the Holy Spirit comes into this meeting and he meets us right here at this altar or you in the seat. And as we pray and as you pray, God meets you and he touches you and he supernaturally imparts his truth to you and he can change you in a moment. But really, listen, it's only a moment when you get up and walk out of her, you have many more decisions to make. Really, what God gives you the chance to do when he meets you like that in a moment is he gives you the chance to make a decision, to see things as they truly are, to follow him with everything. And he will, he will heal you, he will help you, he will take care of you, he will bless you, but you have many more decisions to make as you get up and walk out these doors into the world. And it is only relationships that help you grow beyond just the experience of being prayed for. Do you understand that? You see that? The experience, we, we tend to want it to all happen like that. Can't God just zap me? Can't he just do something to me to keep me from being addicted to alcohol? Can't he just do that? Do you know that AA is this whole process where people are joined to a group where they become open and honest with each other and they know each other so well that they begin to help one another on their journey. The truth is we all need that. The truth is we're all hung up, addicted to something. We're all hung up on our own sins, our own, our own issues. We need to meet with each other in a way that is honest and truthful and open and deep so that we know each other, and that's the only way you begin to grow. You say, Pastor Ross, I, I thought I could just read the Bible and grow. Well, you can read the Bible and grow. You can Pray on your own and grow, but only to a certain degree. There's something so valuable, so important about the body of Christ. Look at 1 Peter 4. If you go to your right, just a few pages, just a few pages, go to your right in the Bible and go to 1 Peter. Hebrews, 1 and 2 Peter. Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter. It's right after James. Some of you know how to get there, but others of you don't. And I always like to take time to help you get there because I want you to read your Bible. I want you to read it with me, all right? 1 Peter 4, 8, in the NIV, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have. Everybody say gift. You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God's grace is available to each one of us. But there's something so much more powerful when we experience God's grace among us. Let me explain that to you. There are several roles in the body of Christ. Several roles that the body of Christ plays in our personal growth. And I want to just highlight those for you, all right? I want you, I want you to think about these, all right? As we look at these scriptures, as we look at the original recipe, as we look at some, uh, some of the other scriptures, we realize that God could do everything he wants in a moment, but really his plan A is for us to belong to others. His plan A is for us to work out our growth and our, and our salvation in the context of a group of people. So the role the body of Christ plays in our growth is connection. Without connection, we suffer in isolation. The connection, we are designed for connection. You are designed to connect with other people. I want to read a little passage from uh, a book I've been reading that's really awesome. It's called How People Grow. I wanted to highlight it for you. How People Grow. If you want to read it with me, uh, it's a fantastic book and will really help you understand spiritual growth. So How People Grow, and this is uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. I'm going to read a little segment of it. I want you to hear this, all right? People's most basic need in life is relationship. People connected to other people thrive and grow, and those not connected wither and die. It is a medical fact, for example, that from infancy to old age, health depends on the amount of social connection people have. Infants and older people both die from a lack of relationship. When an when an infant is born and is, an orphan, is orphaned, in other words, does not bond with any parent or with any person, it, its, its growth is, uh, is inhibited. It shrinks. Somebody whistling at me? <laughs> All right. Oh, it was a phone. Okay. <laughs> Pay attention now, people. It's coming to the crucial moment of the message. Do not get distracted. An orphan's growth is inhibited if they do not have connection. An older person, when they lose their spouse after many, many years, they often lose their will to live. Why? Because connection is how we're designed. Uh, and the problem here is that we live in a, in a, in a culture and in a society that does not necessarily value the kind of deep connection we're talking about. They might value uh, getting, going out and with the guys and partying. Uh, they might value uh, going out and having fun, which, by the way, I want us to do. We shouldn't be the curmudgeons in the group. Ooh, curmudgeons, that's a good word. We shouldn't be the curmudgeons. Oh, we need to, we need to be in relationship. Okay, let's be in relationship. Uh, it's, that's, that's no fun. 
Part of relationship is being, is having fun, is enjoying the people around you, is it, is letting them in both to your pain and your joy. Infants and older people die from a lack of relationship, and those in the middle suffer and fail to recover from illnesses when they're not connected. At the emotional level, connection is the sustaining factor for the psyche, the heart, and the spirit. Virtually every emotional and psychological problem, from addictions to depression, has alienation or emotional isolation at its core or close to it. Recovery from these problems always involves helping people to get more connected to each other at deeper and healthier levels than they already are. I'll, one, more, one more little passage. Ironically, one problem we often see in the Christian community is that people get more into religion and less into the connectedness the Bible prescribes, with the result that they get sicker. For the same reason, many people feel disconnected from God because they have not been connected to the body. We're fighting something in our culture. We're fighting the individualism. We're fighting the isolation that happens. We're fighting the embarrassment of admitting our failures to one another. We're, we're wrestling through the, 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 the dynamic of wanting relationship but not knowing how to get them because we're so busy. Our lives are so full. There are decisions coming, my friends. In our culture, for you and for me, as Christians, to decide if we're going to have the deep and meaningful relationships that the Bible prescribes in order to make disciples. Because you cannot make disciples unless you have relationships that are that deep and that meaningful. That kind of connection is the part the body of Christ plays in our growth. Number two, discipline and structure. There was a guy who said, he said um, to his therapist... He's like, I don't have the self-discipline that I really need. I know that I have potential. I know that I have a lot within me, but I just don't have the self-discipline to get it done. Have you ever felt that way, like that? I have. He said, I don't have the self-discipline. The, the therapist looked back at him and said, so where are you going to get this self-discipline? Well, I'm just going to try to be more disciplined. No, you just said you didn't. The therapist looked at him and said, you, you don't understand. You just said you don't have any. Where are you going to get it? Where is it going to come from? He, he, he sat there stunned. Suddenly, he gets it. The light comes on. And he's like, well, where can I get it? The therapist looked back at him and said, you, you've got to get it from others. In fact, parents, the role of parents is to put self-discipline into the heart and character of a child. But when they don't, and you grow up, you've got to get it from somewhere, and you cannot get it from yourself. Often, you have to get it. You have to borrow it, in a sense, from others. And relationships create the kind of structure and the kind of discipline that we often need. This is uh, where accountability comes from. Accountability would be the next role of the body of Christ. But here's the problem with accountability. Often we just try to get in groups to be accountable without really building relationships. 
You know, and you, know, you know what that does? You, you can get a bunch of men, and they're trying to be accountable to each other so they won't look at stupid stuff on the Internet, and they won't do stupid things, and, and so they, they, they start an accountability group. But if they don't go deep into relationship with each other, if they don't know one another well, what happens is they lie to each other because they don't want to be embarrassed. So they're in an accountability group where they lie to each other or, or they excuse each other for their poor behavior. See, real relationships cause a desire, a, a need. A, a, you want to do your best, but you know that you will be accepted if you say that you, you have not been at your best. See, accountability comes as a result of relationship. Accountability cannot come without relationship. It is a unique byproduct of genuine relationships. Another thing is grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness can only be received. You, you know, you can only receive grace from outside yourself. <laughs> you can't give yourself grace, unmerited favor. God gives you that. And frankly, you experience it, the grace that God wants to give you, through other people better than anything else. If you've ever wrestled with a, a failure or a sin or, or a habit, you know it intellectually that God forgives you, but it's not until somebody looks you in the face and says, I know the worst thing about you, and I love you, and I forgive you, that it, that it can be broken. That's what marriage is supposed to be, by the way. That's what real relationships do. They offer each other strength and forgiveness at moments where they need it. And it comes alive to them because of what Christ has done in their lives. Christ comes alive. He gives each of us grace. That's the only way we get it. And then somehow we extend it and help others receive it when they're having a difficult time. Finally, um, number five is support and strengthening. We are lifted up by others and we receive strength from others. You can choose you can choose these benefits or not by how well you decide you're going to have relationships that are meaningful and honest and open. And for some of you, it's going to be work. It's going to be a challenge. But I want you to know the benefits are so worth it. The growth, the spiritual growth that's going to happen inside of you is so worth it. It's so valuable. If you could, if you could see how God wants you to mature by being open to others, by them speaking into your life, by you speaking into others. You know, one of the most wonderful things that ever happens in the life of a Christian is when God speaks something to you that you didn't even know you knew into another person. <laughs> there is nothing greater than that. Like it comes to you and then you like speak it into them and then it breaks the, 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 the chain or the bondage that they're in because God spoke it through you to them. Well, couldn't he just have spoken it to them? Yeah, that's what we want, isn't it? Don't we want it just to all happen like boom, boom, boom? No, God's design is to put us together to experience love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and accountability because he wants us to experience him. We experience him this way. We experience our own growth and maturity as we do this. So I, I didn't get to all my scriptures, so close your eyes and bow your heads and I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you.
you just think about it for a second. Think about your life. Think about where you are. Think about what you need. Think about what you really want in your life. And, and by the way, I'm not just talking about relationships with other members of the body of Christ. We have to be healthy enough to have relationships with people who don't know him in order to fulfill his mission, which means we've got to be strong. We've got to have a community behind us as we're, as we're sharing the gospel with someone else. I want you to just listen to the voice of the Spirit. What does He want you to do? What does He want from you? Maybe He wants you to be willing to open up. Maybe He wants you to slow down. You need to make some hard decisions about slowing down your life because you're not going deep in any relationship. You're just surface everywhere. Maybe he's asking you to invest in another person because you have the time and energy, but you, you haven't really been willing. M maybe it's a moment for you to ask another Christian who you know who's mature to invest in you. What would he say to you? What might he be saying to you today? To encourage you to value relationships like the Bible values them, like God values them. What would it look like in your life? Some of you might be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, I, Pastor Ross, I don't, I don't even know God this way. I don't, I don't have a relationship that's strong with God but I want to today, I need to, and I want you to pray for me. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you forward, but if you're here and you're saying, I need to make a commitment to Christ today to follow him, I want the kind of relationship you're talking about with him and with others, and you realize that's God calling you, just lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand right now if that's you, and say, Pastor Ross, just pray for me, just pray for me. Yep, I see you here in the front, over here on the side, back in the back, I see you. Anybody else? Just lift it up. Don't, don't hesitate. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. This is, this is the moment for that. This is the moment to say, yes, God, I want relationship with you. I want to know you like Pastor Ross is talking about. And I want to be known in a community. Anybody else? So good. So good. Come on, everybody pray this prayer with me. Just lift up your voices and repeat these words after me. And let's just pray this prayer together, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who shows me how much you love me. Thank you. Forgive me for doing my own thing, for going my own way, for being isolated, for being sinful. I receive your love. I make you Lord of my life. I want to know you and I want to follow you every day of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for cleansing. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer that you would seal it by the work of the Holy Spirit. Even now, here in this moment, that this is a moment where they can make a decision. You're empowering them. You're enabling them. You're giving them grace to do it. 
Now, now give them the strength that they need as they go out these doors to continue to walk in this commitment. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.